Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, I want to tell you about the lab. If you haven't heard, it is wellness. Anywhere you go, you could listen to it like a podcast. Um, they're basically live Zoom classes, but you could listen to them on a run, or you could turn the camera on and engage with them. We have a thriving community of like-minded people trying to live better lives, and it's been amazing. Not only do we have the foundational classes like codependency and and, uh, ch- and trauma and relationships and all that, but we also have a lot of fun classes because it's so hard to make friends as adults, right? So we have tarot card readings, we have soul shower, we have astrology readings. Uh, we're turning wellness into a lifestyle. We're also uh, going to run a retreat soon. So come and hang out with us. Come ride with us. Go to the website to get into uh, the lab and then go download the app. We have a brand new app out with tons of audio. I'm going to give you a discount code um, and this is for a limited time. So if you're listening to this, you could join the lab for only $20. It's like a drop-in fee. For three months, it's $20 a month. Go to tatlab.app. That's tatlab.app. And the discount code is live better. It's case sensitive. So all lowercase, one word, live better. And I will see you in the lab. I have a complaint. What's up? No, not what's up. I have a I said, complaint. What's that? What's oh, that? oh, I thought you were like, oh, what's up? Um, <laughs> my complaint is uh, you can't just appear into rooms. So oh, you can't just walk into any room when, when I don't notice that you're in the room, not say a word, not make any noise, and just stand there knowing secretly that I'm afraid of ghosts. Uh, you have a personal story of seeing a, a spirit at the edge of uh, the foot of your bed in college. And I grew up watching things like Exorcist when I was 10. So when you appear into a room and you just stand there, uh, I look up, it takes about three seconds to compute. <laughs> I look up, I see you, it takes about three seconds, and then I jump. Okay. I, I, I wonder if that's abuse, if you, um, if I've expressed many times, don't do that. <laughs> you don't make do it that. seem like I consciously am trying to scare you. It is not my fault that you are, you don't have a sense of awareness of people that are coming in and out of rooms. No. I should not have to announce myself every single time I walk into a room in my own home, just it, because you're a wimp. Who, first of all, that's a, that's character assassination, calling me a win. Um, who does that? Like, who actually, when you walk into a room, you, you say something. Rooms. I don't, like, have to, you know, like, sound horns and dun da da here I come, John. Like, I just walk into rooms. It's not my fault that you're always afraid of ghosts. You enter a room, you say, hey, you enter a room, hi. You enter a room. Every time. You or you make some kind of eye contact, some kind of acknowledgement. What you oh, here's what you do you enter a room and you just stand there. That's the problem. That's the problem. All right, let's talk about how our stars line up. Um, so I'm I'm 
not a big, um, I mean, I, I, I love astrology. I don't know a lot about astrology. And uh, one of the things that you, you had a revelation after you found out something about how my stars were lined up. So I'm an Aries. Uh, Vanessa is a Taurus, but uh, what is that, rising or, or? No, it's your sun sign. My sun sign. Okay, so what is my sun sign and what was your revelation because you found out that I was what? Well, first off, I want to say that for people who are listening who think that astrology is all like woo-woo bullshit, that's fine, you know, to each their own. But what I will say is it is actually based in science um, and it's very specific. So we're not just talking like, oh, you're an Aries, I'm a Taurus. And so we know so much like this is very detailed uh, chart work that has to do with the exact moment that you were born in exactly the hemisphere, um, you know, where everything was lined up at that exact moment. So if you haven't actually had a reading yet, do it because it's fascinating when you actually get down to business with your full chart. Is Is it science though? It is actually, it's considered a science. Um, And also if you're a psychology nerd in any way, like I obviously am, um, Carl Jung was huge into astrology actually Mm. later in his career. um, So much so first off, his daughter was like a professional astrologer. um, But also he refused to meet with any client until he'd actually gone through their full chart because it really helped him understand the person at a very deep level in a way that he didn't feel like he could get to with them just talking. So I, I, I like to tell Carl Jung in this, like there's a reason why it's, it's something that we pay attention to. Okay. Um, wait, real, real quick. You know, I throw boomerangs, right? Meaning when I have conversations, um, I will throw a boomerang, uh, go, it'll go out, fly out into the distance. And then I hope that, that it comes back and then we um, continue where we left off. And so uh, with your permission, I would like to throw a boomerang right now. Okay. Who is Carl Jung? I know you're a big fan of Carl Jung. Um, I think a lot of people have heard his name. What exactly was his contribution? What is, uh, and I know this overlaps with depth psychology, which is uh, what you learned. I did not. And so let's talk about that a little bit because it's really interesting. Um, well, so Jung if they call Freud, who most people have heard of, the father of psychology, they call Jung the mother mm-hmm. of psychology. So Jung and Freud were actually friends. Jung looked up to Freud. Freud was much older than him. They, they had established a professional relationship, but also a personal one. Um, and, and Jung actually looked to him as almost like a mentor for a long time until uh, Jung disagreed with Freud around a lot of his uh, sexual drive. Theories. Right, right. And so from that point, they actually had a break in their relationship quite a bit, which was actually pretty devastating to Jung. He talked about it a lot. Uh, and, you know, they didn't really agree with each other in a lot of the theoretical areas. And so they, they broke off. So Jung is responsible actually for a lot more than we realize. Um, he's responsible for theories and words like persona, introvert, extrovert. Uh, I don't I mean, I could go on and on projections. Um, and so he's kind of woven through the majority of what we know in the psychology world and landscape. It's just that he's not given the credit. I think that um, he should be given. I do think we've had a bit of a swing towards understanding him more. Um, People who are not necessarily adept psychology, finally starting to know who he is and what his contributions were. Uh, He has much more of a feminine approach, not feminine being gendered, but feminine uh, archetypally, um, archetypes, 
that's another thing from Jung, mm-hmm. the collective mm-hmm. unconscious. Um, and so depth psychology is really Jungian psychology. And that's the school that I, I went to. It was a Jungian school. It's all about the unconscious, what lies underneath. Uh, a lot of it doesn't have anything to do with what you and I see day to day. You know, he's very into dreams, image, metaphor, which is essentially how the unconscious speaks. It's the language. So know? a question I get often is what's the difference between the unconscious and subconscious, would you say the subconscious is more Freud language or? Are yeah, there- honestly, I've gotten the same thing. To be honest, at this point, they're kind of interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be nuance that separated the two, but I, I would actually say nowadays, it doesn't really matter. They're kind of interchangeable. I use unconscious because that's what I was taught. And that's the language that Jung used. It was like the Gordon Gecko. It was like Wall Street. It was um, the I'm talking about the movie in the 80s. Every, I bring everything back to the 80s. So um, it was the uh, where uh, Young was the apprentice. Uh, uh, Freud was his mentor. And then Young mm-hmm. had his own ideas. Uh, then it's almost like Young became bigger than Freud in a way. Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, bigger in a very different sense, right? I mean, most of us know Freud. Uh, most people don't know Jung. I mean, I didn't even know Jung until I was in my like late twenties. So, but everybody's heard of Freud, even if you took some kind of psychology 101 class in like undergrad, you know, or high school. So Jung, um, big advocate of dreams, big advocate of uh, the unconscious, uh, big advocate of astrology stars. And also, um, wasn't he a big fan of the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell? Um, well, yes, Joseph Campbell was came after Jung. I mean, they they weren't alive at the same time, really. Oh, okay, I didn't um, know that. But it was actually the other way around. So Campbell was a student of Jung. Oh, right, right, right. right? So, the, so, so, it's, so it's no. <laughs> the answer is no, not yes. <laughs> um, well, you know, the idea of of archetypes, obviously coming from Jung, and and then the hero's journey being an archetypal pattern that we see. Uh, did, did you say yes because you're trying to protect me and you didn't want me to appear dumb? I didn't want you to appear dumb, but also there is a connection. I mean, you weren't totally off. Yeah, it was, it was the just the timeline a little switch. It was, I had the people switch. It was the yeah. opposite, right? Um, but yeah, Campbell is somebody that we typically know more of just because he's a little bit more current and because he wrote a lot of books that that talked to or spoke, and spoke to the, the hero's journey, right? I mean, that was actually who, um, oh my God, I'm totally blanking out on who did Star Wars. Uh, okay, this is where... Um... <laughs> I can make you feel dumb. Well, I wasn't, I was born in the eighties, so you can't really make me feel that dumb. Uh, George Lucas. Thank you. So Lucas actually consulted with Campbell. Uh, Campbell was actually on the set for much of the, the, the production. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and and I'm a big fan of the hero's journey. It it has helped me tremendously, whether I apply it to a workout or my own story. Um, I I think it's such a powerful concept. Okay. Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. That was your boomerang. Yes, it's coming back. Uh, okay. So astrology and how uh, the stars lining up it helps us understand uh, ourselves and, and each other in relationships. This is interesting. So um, you knew I was an Aries, and then you found out that my, my rising was a what? Cancer? No, that's your moon. My moon. Okay. So you found out something. That was the moon that I found out that I thought was so interesting. So I want to say, first and foremost, I am not an expert in this. Um, My knowledge is very elementary. uh, And it's really only been the last few years that I've started understanding a little bit more. But I I go to experts. I go to guides and friends of mine who are very well versed in this to get 
a deeper understanding. So if you hear this, that I say something that's bullshit or wrong and you know it, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm pre I'm preempting this conversation when I'm not an expert. So first I want to say the interesting thing about the fact that you're an Aries, if we're just talking sun signs, which is kind of like the most basic of the signs, um, is that when I was in my twenties, uh, I had a spurt of quite a few guys and I'm not saying like, Oh, every guy I slept with, but it was more like guys I'd go out on dates with guys. I like met in a bar and texted back and forth with whatever, when I was single for like five plus years in between a couple of relationships was every single one of them was an Aries. I mean, there was a, mm. a string of like, I don't know, let's just say 10, um, where, and guys? yeah, I got to the point where it was like a joke amongst my friends. Like it would literally be like, so when are you born? And they'd be like, Oh, April, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, Oh Jesus, you're, you're an Aries. Um, How much time in between the guys? The 10 guys. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm not saying every single one that I slept with, it might've been like a guy I met in a bar or whatever um, that I just had a connection with. Um, but the point is, is that every one of them was an Aries at some point in my life. And so there's definitely, they say that Taurus and Aries have very um, fiery sexual chemistry. Oh yeah, so 100%. there's something about the Aries that I'm attracted to, obviously. Um, you've sweat, you've slept with more people than I have hands down. Hands down. Jesus, that's, that's a bold statement. Well, you said 10. And I was thinking, oh, well, that's probably the total of my whole. Well, anyway. that's not my number. But yes, I have probably slept with more people than you have. <laughs> Aries. They, they were a lot of Aries. Fiery. Um, big ego. Aries have ego. Aries uh, leaders. Uh, what yeah. else? So Hot-tempered. Yeah, you tend to be very assertive. Um persistent. You yeah. also have like a natural courage. You're very courageous. Thank you. Um, yep. Independent. Uh, there's a lot of like enthusiasm and energy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for me, I mean, there's a lot of similarities actually in our sun signs as far as like stubbornness, um, stability, but Taurus tends to be a lot more um, practical. You know, there's a lot of stability in my sign. Um, and they, they tend to be known for their sensual their sensual pleasure. Like we have a very big desire for sensual pleasure. So, um, physical, tangible pleasures, uh, yeah. you know, they say like nice fabrics and, you know, beautiful jewelry and things like that. Like we're very of the earth. When you say we, cause I'm an Aries, you're a Taurus. Are you saying I'm yourself? Saying we as in Tauruses. Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't care about fabrics at all. I care about thread count and that's about it. So here I'll, I'll if you guys don't know, there's actually this awesome, uh, app, called hang on i just had it up it is called costar and so costar is cool because it's actually updated daily um but what i love about it is that you can put somebody in and actually get a very detailed reading on their different signs so like you were referring to so your moon sign your rising sign you know where mercury is in your chart um and how that actually correlates between the two of you so i have it open because i i reference it occasionally. So if we're talking about just our sun signs, it says, and let me say that you and I pretty much across the board, except for opposite. one house are opposite. The two of you have extremely mismatched ways of moving through the world. You love leisure time while they prefer a quick paced and adventurous lifestyle. They could help you step outside of your comfort zone while you teach them about patience and precaution you share an unwavering loyalty that could lead to a lasting bond but only if you are 
um, able, able to resolve, to resolve your differences. Feels, this feels is pretty much right. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and that's things that, you know, make me uncomfortable, but also things about you I've had to learn to appreciate and learn from. Yeah. So the moon, this is, this was the big revelation for me. So my moon is in Libra and your moon is in cancer. Hmm. So your moon sign is usually what rules your inner world. So it's your emotions, your feelings, your moods. Um, this is actually typically how you think yourself, think of yourself. Um, the sun sign is almost like how, how the world perceives you. Whereas your moon sign is usually how you perceive yourself. Mm -hmm. um, like when you're alone or, you know, at your most comfortable. So my moon being in Libra, right? So when you think of Libra, most people know that sun sign. That's the, that's the one with the balance, right? It's the scale. So it's all about balance. It's all about seeing both sides. Um, it's well, and they say here actually that there's an indecisiveness and a desperation to please, which, which feels a little right. Um, but also tending to hide your feelings and needs, which also feels about right. So cancer is a water sign. Cancer tends to, yep. Cancer tends to be the most emotional of all mm. the signs. Um, so the fact that your moon is in cancer, which is your emotional self is very telling to me, right? So there's a lot of sensitivity there. Um, there's a lot of thoughtfulness and empathy, which is great. Um, but it says here, they have a tendency to feel like a martyr and secretly fear being abandoned by those they love. They often have trouble letting things go and can feel like an emotional wreck. Did, didn't you look understand. at, um, didn't you look at and research all of this when we first started dating? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it was a little bit further in as far as the moon sign revelation, that was maybe a few months in, but it, it oh. definitely helped me understand you better. Did and you read this and say, did you say, oh, you know, our stars don't line up. Maybe I shouldn't pursue this. No, I don't, I don't take it as that black and white. I think it's more about an understanding, right? Mm -hmm. So I looked at this and said, oh, there's learning here. There's learning and growth to be had with this person, but here are the challenges that I'm going to have to be very aware of and potentially learn to work through with this yeah. person. So uh, with Mercury, uh, you're Aries on Pisces, no? Yes. So, so Mercury Mer is the, the planet of communication. Right. So it's all about how we, we take in and process information um, and also how we communicate outward as well. Um, it's also the planet of learning. So yeah, mine is your, an Aries actually. Yeah, your Mercury is an Aries, meaning uh, your intellect is quick, independent, impatient, energetic, and direct. Uh, you think fast and start conversations with enthusiasm. Uh, you're likely TL. Your Mercury is in Pisces. You. That's me, uh, meaning uh, my intellect is emotionally driven, dreamy, and a bit in the clouds. That's totally me. Uh, I sometimes call myself the Korean blonde. No offense to anyone with blonde hair. Vanessa, you have blonde hair. I have blonde hair. Their imagination, my imagination and intuition keeps um, me open to other people's ideas. We're uh, good listeners, though we may have a tendency for white lies. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true. Uh, we prefer face-to-face -face communication. That's very true. You don't understand each other. You don't, you, you don't really understand how each other thinks. You may have to make some adjustments to how you naturally communicate. Um, so this is interesting because I communicate. If I feel something, it's already out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. 
before the feeling is even, <laughs> uh, you know, um, processed. processed. Uh, Vanessa feels something, um, takes her two and a half years, and then she writes uh, an email. And then after that, we sit down and have a conversation. I mean, you're being dramatic, but yes, we have a very different uh, right. communication style. Mm-hmm. And it might just be because, you know, the way I put the cereal away. Well, it's not the cereal. It's more about like, you know, how you don't fold the dish towels, things like that. Right. So very uh, two very different communication styles. I, I do uh, admit I need to process more um, instead of vomiting. Um, I, I always thought that we have a responsibility to express ourselves. I think I sometimes take it too far. Uh, I've learned over the years that there are things that we um, maybe don't need to share. You know, there are some things that we need to sit with. And I mean, by we, I mean me, there's some things that um, don't have to be said, right? And I, that's what I'm learning a lot about is, is how much do you, um, like pick your battles. I don't want to say battles, but express what you need to express, but evaluate your expression instead of just saying, you know, I feel this, I feel that, I feel, you know, constantly. Well, I think pretty early on in our relationship, we actually had a conversation about this where we both came to the, um, idea or, or, or dubbed this responsible communication, which I've actually used that term with clients. Um, and it's this idea of using discernment, right? So every thought or emotion that enters you should not then be vomited out onto your partner. Um, and, and this is tricky because if you're like me and you struggle with codependency, um, you struggle with expressing any of your feelings and emotions um, until it gets to the point where it boils over and you explode. Uh, And so telling somebody to be discerning when they already struggle is a bit tricky. But the point is, is that, you know, there are some feelings and emotions that are our responsibility for working through on our own, processing on our own, you know, owning our shit kind of thing. Um, And then bringing it to the other person really when it makes sense so, well, that's a tricky thing to say. So let's see, how do I break this down? Not make sense in the sense of like, you've gone off and figured it out and then you present it to your partner with a pretty bow, but make sense as in don't vomit on your partner and bring them down into your muck if you don't really understand what the need is that you're trying to communicate. Does that make sense? Right, yes. And I, I have always felt like if you don't talk about it in the moment that, you know, where, 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 that it needs to be brought up, then you're then you are leaving the relationship and that's not true because some people just need time to process because we don't all process the same right i i have a uh, um another metaphor uh and if you're a writer listening to this it may help you um so uh glennon doyle uh mentions the difference between uh a a, a diary a journal mm-hmm. a private journal and a memoir and um, a private journal is just you vomiting your feelings on paper, right? It's for you, not not for other people. Uh, a memoir is taking those um, feelings and then crafting them in a way where at the end there's wisdom, there's knowledge, right? There's a takeaway. And I, I love that. Um, as a writer myself, I, could, I, I get that, you know, as someone who's been blogging. Um, and I've done both, right? I've just blogged just randomly um, – put my feelings on paper, hit post, uh, no one got anything out of it. And then I've also, you know, uh, put thought into um, blog posts where people do get something out of it, hopefully. And so that might be an interesting way to look at communication. If you are just 
writing uh, verbally uh, expressing your diary to your partner, there's an irresponsibility in that because there isn't much takeaway other than them um, now feeling, you know, the um, carrying your energy or complaints or whatever it is, burdensome and all that. If you take your diary and you actually sit, process it, and then it comes out more as a memoir, and that's what you're communicating to them, then now they have um, a measure of where you're at emotionally, but also they can now take away something about the relationship or they learned about you, know, you uh, them, whatever. So if you're communicating yeah, they- um, memoir over, memoir over uh, diary is, is my point. The Gottmans say... Um- it's very important that you are specific about your need in a positive way. So not to like sugarcoat, but not saying to somebody, you know, this is what I hate. I hate this, but rather sitting with that feeling of like, okay, this came up, this hurt me, whatever. And then turning it and saying, this hurt me. And here's what I need from you. Here's what you could do for me differently. Um, Otherwise it does feel a little bit like a diary, right? Like you're vomiting. Yeah. And this is, you know, communication one-on-one, but I statements, you know, most people, um, Hey, you're that you made me feel that, um, but bringing it back to you. And it's, um, this is how I feel. This is what it was like for me. All of that. Okay. Should we go on to Venus? Yes. Venus is, um, uh, Venus is, uh, Venus determines how and what you love. It indicates how you express affection and the qualities you're attracted to. So um, your Venus is Taurus, right? And I'm, my Venus is Aries. Which is interesting. So I have to pause on this. Our, both our sun signs and our Venus are in Taurus and Aries, which is important to understand because Venus too, archetypally, Venus is Aphrodite. Venus is the goddess of love, of sexuality, of sensuality. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot that goes into Venus, but I, I actually think it's fascinating that both of our sun signs and our Venus are in the same. Well, well, my Venus is fire, Aries. Mm-hmm, and my Venus is earth. Taurus actually is right. the, the, the sign of, of Aphrodite. I mean, this is the earthy sign that this, the goddess of love is in. So do you want me to read this? Is this why you like making love outdoors? in the grass <laughs> that's weird i mean no offense to people who like that but I, I i don't know if that's my thing okay go ahead okay so my venus is in taurus right meaning my romantic side is oriented towards comfort and stability i move slowly and deliberately at the beginning of relationships uh, and the timidity sometimes comes off as intimidating i just want something sweet and simple and then your venus is in aries meaning your romantic side is enthusiastic impulsive and direct you fall in love quickly and out of love just as fast. Oh, man. Wow. You tend to be forthright and direct with your crushes, even if they haven't confessed, which makes a lot. They make a lot of inside jokes, touch them a lot and maintain eye contact. You alternate between seeming demanding and disinterested in the relationship. You know, So I haven't read this, right? Uh, this is something that she just texted to me uh, as an outline for this episode. And so this really lands for me. I want to read it again because um, I feel like I was just, uh, the universe just held up a mirror. Uh, My romantic side is enthusiastic, impulsive, and direct. Uh, Impulsive, for sure. Uh, Enthusiastic and direct. Uh, I fall in love quickly and I fall out of love just as fast. So for me, um, falling out of love just as fast, like I, I haven't heard that, you know, it's so bluntly and 
Um, I tend to be forthright and direct with my crushes. I think that's true. I have no problem saying I like you. Um, even, even if I know they have no interest in me, I, I still have no problem saying I like you. Um, and what is this? They, I make a lot of inside jokes. Touch. What does that even mean? It means you, I mean, I think, I think as part of your love language, like making inside jokes and having that inside connection with a person that other people don't know. Oh, I thought it meant like I make fun of you, but without telling you, but I'm talking to myself a lot. No, inside jokes as in we have some, so I enjoy something that we have on the inside that the world doesn't know about, but it's our thing. Yeah, that's actually very true. Um, You're a big toucher. Touch them a lot. It sounds a little creepy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do. I do like touching people a lot that I choose to love. And then um, I maintain maintain eye contact, which is strange, (laughs) but yes. And um, I, I alternate between seeming demanding and disinterested in the relationship. So let me ask you this. Um, what do you think of this as far as me and how accurate is it? Well, for anybody who listened to the first episode, we talked about the idea of your three-year relationship mm-hmm. itch. So this idea of falling in love quickly and out of love just as fast. Yeah. On point. Um, I think the you, idea, you, you could, you could take out the word little, <laughs> I think the idea of you alternating between demanding and disinterested is also interesting because we talked about your hot and uh, cold. Yeah. The hot and cold. Yeah. Um, can I, I just say, can I just say yeah. though, like knowing this about myself, it, it's not an excuse to then put it on, you know, the stars, but it, it makes me feel less crazy. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, oh, it's in, it's in my wiring. It's in my blood. It's in my whatever you want to call it. It's not um, just me being uh, indecisive or inappropriate or me being, you know. Well, I think what's important about this stuff is it gives you a clue into the way that you're wired so that you can then understand it better and also work to, um, I don't want to say correct behaviors, but work to maybe have more um, like healthier behaviors. So like, if you know yeah. that you fluctuate or you know that you, like it says, like you alternate between being demanding and disinterested. Um, like if you know, that's kind of how you're wired, then you can pay more attention to it. And when you find yourself maybe in that phase of disinterest, you know, feeling disinterested, um, you can call yourself on it. You can check in with yourself and say, oh, I feel like I'm a little withdrawn right now. What can I do to maybe connect to my partner, you know, or the reverse. If you're feeling demanding, it's like, oh, what am I putting on them and expecting them to hold and take responsibility for, which is actually my responsibility. Absolutely. And would you say that, um, wouldn't one argue that if this is your position mm-hmm. um, and it's not your choosing, right? That this is because of uh, when you were born. It, it's stuff that happened that, has, that is bigger than you. Um, it almost feels like it would take more work for me to be in something because of my disposition than it would someone who, uh, whose, whose Venus was not in Aries. Maybe, but it also depends on the person that you're with. Right. Um, it's kind of like we all have triggers, but they get triggered differently by different people. Um, other people are going to ignite certain things in you or are going to trigger certain responses in you, um, that others won't. So, you know, certain people could make you more demanding. Um, and certain people could make you more disinterested. Like, I think it just yeah. depends on the other person. Um, if any ex uh, is listening to this, 
you ever think an ex is going to find these episodes? Um, if any ex is listening to this, they they probably just had a oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I get why you um, bounced after three years or whatever whatever I did. Um, the ambivalence or the uh, falling in and out of love and all of that. Um, well, I think what's interesting also, again, it's it's about how the two play off of each other. So if you're looking at mine, right, and, and my Venus being in Taurus, I'm all about comfort and stability, right? That's that's romance to me, is feeling safe and secure and stable. Right, right. And if you're... If you My, tend to alternate between demanding, disinteresting, um, being, you know, falling in love, out of love, that doesn't go well with stability and comfort. Yeah. My, my romance is a Korean drama. Yeah, exactly. Which so is the opposite. Right. So here's the thing. Um, and it says here that uh, you find it difficult to express love for each other and to have uh, and have to do some work to make the other feel loved. So um we are, uh, I mean, according to this, our Venus, our magnet, magnets are flipped, right? So mm-hmm. um, how do we, knowing this about ourselves, how do we meet in the middle? How do we, how do we make it so this is not a, a um, crowbar in our relationship, but a bridge? Do you like that? I do. Um, oh, say that again. That was kind of sexy the way you said I, I do. do. <laughs> it's it's 8.30 a.m., by the way, guys. Um, I think that it's understanding and owning your part, right? And then I think it's understanding the other person so that if I know that even though safety, security, stability is how I feel loved and express love, if it's not how you express love, it's kind of like love languages, right? There's a certain part that I have to get out of my comfort zone and maybe be a little bit more um, spur of the moment. I might have to be a little bit more um, enthusiastic, right? in order for you to feel loved. So it, it sometimes is about making yourself uncomfortable for the putting, sake of the other person feeling. Putting um, your sexy voice on at 8.30 a.m. on a Monday. Right. right. Um, and then for me, and you know, this this whole word, this whole like uh, do the work thing, which, which has now become the new buzzword. Um, anytime there's a wellness buzzword, I just cringe and I, I make sure that I don't use it. Uh, but the, the whole do the work thing, right? What is the work and all of that? Um, this is it. it, it it's not reading uh, a gazillion self. Is gazillion or a, a gazillion? A lot of self help books or taking video courses or you know retreats and all that. Uh, this is the work. Knowing your wiring, understanding uh, your patterns, uh, you know your shortcomings, and then trying to do the opposite of that you know, trying to, um, so in my case, uh, if I have a habit of falling in and out of love, like, what do I do with that? What's the action? What's the intention? You know, what do I need to sit with? That's what's hard, right? It's not the work isn't just information, like you listening to this podcast and having revelations, that is not the work that is the beginning that maybe even 50 percent. It's the other half, which is really hard. And that's the execution. And I compare a lot to fitness, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, it's a new year, I'm gonna, you know, uh, get mm-hmm. fit and then they um, sign up for all these programs and they're you know scientifically proven and then they buy all the um the the fancy workout gear they set themselves up for um uh, an opportunity to change their bodies but then actually going to the gym or wherever they're going uh that because that's the work, actually sweating, actually moving, actually, you know, doing the burpees or the rowing or the whatever. Um, 
that's the hard part. It's not the the preparation or the knowledge. And so this is why I typically stopped going to the gym for the month of January or going to yoga for the month of January, because it's so packed with people that are like new year, new you, um, that usually I wait until February when all those people have dropped off. And then I go back to my normal, <laughs> you know, hang doing my thing, which is like consistent, slow and steady. <laughs> Can you never do that new year, new you voice again? New year, new you. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my marketing days coming out. I actually did a campaign called new year, new you. <laughs> Vanessa used to be a cheerleader back in the day in Syracuse, yeah, New York, <laughs> um, which makes complete sense. Okay. So, but I mean, but you were, uh, you were a cheerleader, but you were kind of like in the competitive cheerleading, not just cheerleading um, f- uh, football games. Or, or were you just cheerleading football games? Well, most cheerleading is competitive. I mean, it's very rare that you'll no. Find, yes, it's very rare that you'll have cheerleaders that just go to games. I mean, part of cheerleading is competing with other teams and going around the state and competing at like national levels, state levels. Yes, it's part of cheerleading. My high school cheerleaders were just yes. you know doing pom poms at football nope. games. That was it. I, well, I disagree with you. If you looked into their no, program, no, no, no. I guarantee I, they were traveling. I'm just saying my high school. No, but I still disagree with you. I bet you anything they were also competing. You just didn't know about it. You also worked at Hooters. I feel like you're attacking <laughs> me right now for some reason. <laughs> which, which I actually love. I, I, I say that uh, to brag. I say that. <laughs> I know that sounded like an attack. Um, it was partly uh, just shock value, but I actually, I actually love that about your story. Did you not want to share that with everyone? There's a lot of people I do not tell that to. Yes. Oh man. Well, hopefully that will not be edited out, but I don't, I don't want to rip out pages of my story. As you say, um, this is long before the me too movement. Uh, but yes, when I was younger, um, I worked at Hooters for many years and as a bartender for many years. And I, especially in my late teens, early twenties, when I was coming into myself and understanding my sexuality, I, I used it in a lot of ways. And yeah. And, 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 but here, you know, but here's the thing. Um, I don't know if you're okay with it because uh, I, I love that. I think it's great. And I know now you're definitely not like that, but almost to the point where you, you kind of swing, swung the other way. I mean, I don't walk around wearing garbage bags. No, but you also don't walk around like wearing um, you know, like short shorts and push-up bras and stuff. Well, I'm also closer to 40 at this point than I am to 20. So no, I don't walk around wearing push-up draws, bras and short shorts. But there's a middle. What is, which is the middle? That, don't you think that's where I live? Mm, I think you live a little bit to, to the, uh, a, a, a few inches toward the garbage bags. I'm not okay, saying here, here's the that thing. more so I'm, I'm going to contest this because you're from LA. So no offense to LA people out there, but LA has never really been known for fashion or style. That's true. Um, That's and I'm true. from New York where it's super high fashion. And so for me, I tend to live more in the fashion and the way that people perceive me can be fucked. It's more about being fashion forward and like style rather than like sex and push up bras. Yeah. It's a very different approach to style than LA. I think on a deeper level, um, it's not, it's like, uh, uh, on a deeper level, I think I just, uh, gravitate toward, or maybe it's not even that deep, maybe it's just locker rooms and me growing up uh, in LA, uh, being used to, um, that, that more so than fashion. I think so. I yeah. think so. And I think you and I, not just fashion, I think you and I, you know, somewhat funny, we were a lot different just because of 
where we're from, right? Like East Coast, West Coast is a real difference culturally. I want to say I love that you used to work at Hooters. I'm proud of it. I used to work at Islands. I don't know if it's the same. It's not the same. But um, I, I love that. I, there's nothing. When you say that, I'm almost like, oh, it's almost like you were a college cheerleader or you were or like, let's say you were, you know, um, on a calendar or you were in, in Maxim or something. Anything like that to me is like, that's amazing. That's great. I love it. I, I would be. I'm proud of it. As your yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I'm not that proud of it. Good. You shouldn't be. <laughs> so this card lands for me the most, the Venus and... Um, I'm going to keep it in my phone. You want to go to Mars? Sure. Let's go to Mars. All right. So my Mars is in Scorpio. And mine is Aquarius. Yeah. So Mars is the planet of aggression. It determines how we assert ourselves, how we take action, um, our energy, and it's particular in your sex life, how ambitious you are. And also when you feel anger. How, how does ambition ripple in your sex life? What does that mean? Um, well, when you think of the feeling of ambitiousness, there's this feeling of like, get out there, take charge, move oh, forward. Oh, um, there's a oh. forward momentum to ambitiousness. So I think the idea of the, the energy of ambition and the energy of sex, I can totally feel the relation there. Do you think that um, we are compatible or we are opposites in there? We're, that we're both ambitious? Um, I don't think we're opposites but I don't think we're exactly the same. I think we can find a middle, um, but it takes work. Yeah. So my Mars is in Scorpio. Meaning no, mine is. Yours is in Scorpio. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh yeah, so your Mars is in Scorpio, meaning you uh, ass assert yourself in a way that is serious and incisive. 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 And you push things forward with passion and intensity. Um, once you decide what you want to, uh, to do something, once you decide you want to do something, you don't hold back. Mm -hmm. Which is very on point for me. So yeah. again, this is not just about sex, right? Mars is all about, no. it's the action oriented planet. Um, and so it's how you step forward and take action in, in the world and life and work and love and all the things, right? So um, I am very serious. I am very incisive. So I, I make a lot of, um, you know, I research things, I plan things, I plot things. And so I, I, there's a lot of kind of, there's incisiveness behind, behind what I do. Um, yeah. And once I decide to move forward, I do so with passion with intensity and um i don't stop until i have something so if, if i really decide this is something i want to do i do not stop until i have it mm. yeah and i could attest to that there's been times you said okay this is what you're going to do to me at this time oh you're talking about sex or i mean that's that's one part <laughs> my mars is in aquarius meaning uh i assert myself in a way that is unconventional and rebellious Oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> that's like, that's been my whole, that's my career basically, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I push things forward with unique independence. Ooh, what does that mean, unique independence? Mm, you don't tend Color to, outside lines. Yeah, and I would say you don't tend to need a bunch of team, mem team members supporting you. Like you're mm. independent. You can, you move forward and you assert yourself with independence, right? With, yeah. Like can, you can be on your own. So with Mars, we don't, uh, we don't particularly, uh, uh, we aren't, we don't have particularly compatible senses of passion. There's a lens of spark between us. There's less uh, of a spark between you two. Oh, sorry. There's, I'm, my guys, I'm 47. My eyes are shot. I can't reach shit <laughs> There's anymore. There's less of a spark between you and more of a sputtering glimmer. <laughs> that is so horrible. 
a sputtering <laughs> glimmer. I like the word glimmer. Sputtering sounds. <laughs> oh my god, that's so. It sounds very pathetic, like a broken sprinkler, or like a, a car, like an old car that's breaking down. That's our relationship: a broken sprinkler or an old car that's broken down. Well, oh, it's, it's, man. A, it's a sense of passion, right? So how we move forward in our sense of passion, again, sex just being one component. Yeah. Um, there's a, yeah, but there's a glimmer. I see, but that's so, I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about there's a glimmer, meaning like we catch glimpses of it. Yeah, we yeah. We catch glimmers yeah, of it. And if yeah. we can act on it and catch it in the moment, we actually do find connection and compatibility in it. And that's, you know, and, and here's the million dollar question is a question I get all the time. Um, can you then feed that and grow it? Right. Or is our uh, disposition just, you know, with, you know, without like how we're wired and especially uh, right now we're talking about stars. Is it, uh, is it doomed or is it not, you know, not, not growable? Um, anyone who uh, under the category of Mars is a Scorpio and then their partner in Aquarius, if they're reading this card, for example, this can be very discouraging when it says there's less of a spark between you two. And more, more of a, sp- a sputtering glimmer. Um, like, how can anyone read that and think, "Oh, this is we can, this is good," you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I look at it as a challenge. Well, if you don't, then it, uh, you, your relationship will be a broken sprinkler. Yeah, a welcome there. challenge. Let me clear clear that up. Yeah. Okay, we have a couple more cards here. Jupiter, she is a Capricorn and I'm uh, Aquarius. Right, so Jupiter is big. So when you think of Jupiter, right, it's the largest planet. Um, You know, Jupiter is all about um, expansion. It's all about, uh, you know, making things happen. Um, It also says it is idealism, optimism, and it's where philosophy comes into play. So it's big thinking. Oh, and so... Um, your Jupiter is in Capricorn, meaning you grow and find understanding through responsibility, practicality, ambition, seriousness, efficiency, rationality, and power. My Jupiter is in Aquarius, meaning uh, we grow through finding understanding through detached analysis and intellectual pursuits. What does that mean? Detached um, means, analysis and intellectual. I think intellectual it means that you're in your head a lot. Yes, that's true. Um, I think that you analyze things in a detached way. So mm. you stand back, you observe, you're in your head, you're making an analysis of something. Um, and you're yeah. constantly pursuing something that's coming out of your head from the intellect. I would say you are definitely more in your body. I'm definitely more in my head. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it's a generalization, but isn't that also a gender thing? Don't you think men in generally uh, are more in their heads and women are more in their bodies? Um, yeah, I mean, I I think it just has to do with socialization. I don't think it's a gender thing. I think it's how we socialize the genders. So we socialize women to be more feeling based and we socialize men to be more thinking based. Yeah. Uh, you grow and dream in different ways and you may find you have to do some work to understand each other. That's really vague. (laughs) Uh, that's vague. Yeah. But I mean, that could be applied to any relationship, to be honest. Okay, the final card is Saturn. Uh, she is a Scorpio, and I am a Gemini. Mm-hmm. So the other social planet, Saturn, rules responsibility, restrictions, limits, boundaries, fears, and self-discipline. Her Saturn is in Scorpio, meaning uh, she struggles with passion, intensity, malicious intentions. Malicious intentions. Malicious intentions. You know I went to grad school. <laughs> Obsessive thinking and 
suspiciousness. You're not a suspicious person. I don't think generally, but. No, not at all. Uh, my Saturn is in Gemini, meaning I struggle with a lack of focus, which is true. Um, just listen to um, any of my videos or podcasts. Uh, restless energy and getting bored easily. Sounds about right. <laughs> I got to say, I got to say, though, um, in the last five years, boredom has not been in my vocabulary. I don't get bored anymore. I used to get bored all the time. And then I, I, uh, I, I'm a lot more mindful. I'm, I'm a lot more, I have the ability to seek nectar in, in moments now. And that has um, made me not experience boredom as much. So I think with age and growth comes a deeper understanding of yourself yeah. and the negative qualities that can be represented by these archetypal forces. Whereas when you're young, it's more about the tail wagging the dog right? So mm -hmm. they have more control over you. Um, and so, yes, I don't think you struggle with boredom as much, but I still see the restless energy and the lack of focus. Um, I see you dipping into it, but I see that you now have a deeper understanding and more control of it. And uh, that would be the same, the same with mine, what, what it says about me and Scorpio. So this, when I read this, you might read this and say, this isn't you at all. But when I read this, I say, this is me in my twenties hands down right because right, like right, we key, change yeah. right so um this idea of intensity malicious intentions obsessive thinking suspiciousness i could totally mm. feel this in my like teens 20s um but maybe not so much now right? so you used to go through your boyfriend's phones just not anymore no i've never done that i have a very very strict rule about reading people's phones or personal property you used to stalk your exes just not anymore nope never did that either your struggles meaning both of us are fairly different, but with empathy, we can help each other grow. Mm -hmm. That's a nice little ending. Mm -hmm. I agree. So here's what I think is interesting and uh, what I think is uh, uh, valuable when it comes to um, all these signs. Um, I, I didn't know there were so many different signs. I thought you were just one sign, like I'm an Aries, but you know, the, the, the rising, the dropping, whatever the, the, the moon and the, all the Mars, uh, when you can get a 360 view, um, of all your signs. I mean, uh, just even with this app, it's been very helpful for me to, uh, especially that one card. Um, it's been very helpful for me to, to look at myself more in an honest way. Yeah, agreed. So I'm, I'm just going to read this one little um, synopsis that it gives you. So between the two of you, right? So the where, where you have harmony and where you have challenges. So we, we find harmony that we're very smart together. So I've been told this actually by a couple different people who have read our charts, meaning um, in the area of work, we're actually like an amazing dynamic duo. Um, do you think you're, do you think with me in your life, you're smarter? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Oh. I think you bring out the best in me and the worst in me, which I think makes me smarter. Yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> so our harmony is that we're smart together and we do have mutual attraction. Um, and then our challenges are unrealistic expectations, delusion and bad habits, jealousy and judgment, and power struggles or hopelessness. I don't think jealousy and judgment, do you feel that in our relationship? Um. I, I mean, if, if I was looking, younger, for sure, but not yeah, now. Yeah, I think if you're looking at the idea of judgment, maybe more than jealousy, I could see it creeping in from time to time. I would say we're both stubborn. Mm -hmm. um, we both have horns. So when we don't agree, um, 
both of us, we don't let go of the the rope, the tug of rope. Yeah, rope. I think it's, I think the where where I'm thinking judgment is like you don't do things the way that I do things, and right. so naturally there's a, a moment of judgment there, rather than softening into it's okay that you do things differently. Um, can I respect honor that in you, and then also what can I learn from that? I think we get there, but I think the initial go to is the judgment. I'm letting go of and totally okay with you um, returning things uh, that cost five, six dollars and spending half the day doing that. That's your journey. I'm letting go of that, announcing let, it to the world today. Let go of that rope, John. I am very frugal and I do not like to waste things. So I like to return things when they need to be returned. Vanessa will drive an hour and a half to return something that costs $3. And I'm telling her, you're going to waste your day. Just let it, just, <laughs> just eat the $3 and she it will makes not. makes me feel better. Just give that to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, did you decide or not decide to enter rooms uh, silently knowing that I may be afraid? I, I don't do this intentionally. I literally just show up in a room. It is not my fault that you are terrified of everything and that you jump when I walk into a room. So I'm that's... not going to start announcing myself unless you want to buy me like a really cool, um, I don't know, like trumpet or something that I can just like carry with me on my belt. And every time I walk into a room, I can be like, dun, 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 dun. so like, that's, 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 that's exaggeration. That's oh. exaggeration. Um, I wish well, you guys could have seen his face the other day. Oh you're you're also being laughing so hard. <laughs> you're also being very. Oh, that's exactly why you do it because no, that's, it the that's the reward. That's the reward. No, I have been told by many many people, and I use these words very specifically that I am a ninja. Those are words that have been used to describe me in the past. People have called me a ninja too, but they they were racist. They're just fake racist. Yeah, I move quietly. And I don't realize I move quietly. And so I have been told that I am a ninja in the past, but you are the first right. person that's been like, you need to announce yourself every time you come into a room. Well, if if you if people have told you that, wouldn't you be like, oh, well then this, that if me being a ninja can actually startle someone. That's something that I should no, do less of. ninja's awesome. All right, guys, this is exactly what we are talking about with uh, two horn uh, signs <laughs> bumping heads. Okay, well, thank you for listening, guys. Hope that was helpful in some way. And um, Vanessa, I'll see you in two seconds. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support, and business development. ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.